Welcome to the Freshfields Sanctions and International Trade Podcast. I'm Nabil Youssef, a partner here in the Washington, D.C. office, and I head up the U.S. Sanctions and International Trade practice. I'm joined today by my associate, Mark Goldberg. Today, Mark and I are going to be talking about U.S. sanctions on Russia, basically where they've been, where we think they're going, and what we might learn about what a Biden administration's approach to Russia sanctions might look like. Mark, first question, what do we know from what Biden's campaign has said about U.S. sanctions on Russia? I think the biggest three topics that the Biden campaign discussed during the election were disarmament, diplomacy, and defense alliances. So three Ds, very easy to remember. On disarmament, they've stressed they want to pursue an extension of the New START treaty as an anchor of strategic stability between the U.S. and Russia and, quote, use that as a foundation for new arms control arrangements. So I think that any perception that they're just going to totally distance from Russia and disengage is overblown and has been exaggerated or is just incorrect. That said, unlike the Trump administration, they've indicated that they want to expand their use of diplomacy and their reliance on traditional U.S. mutual security arrangements in Europe. Obviously, NATO has been a topic of contention between the Trump administration and America's allies in Europe. The Trump administration made claims about NATO partner members not maintaining their defense budgetary commitments and things like that. The Biden campaign's website took the opposite approach. It urged the Biden administration's desire to, quote, keep NATO capabilities sharp while also expanding our capacity to take on new non-traditional threats like weaponized corruption, cyber threat, and new challenges in space and on the high seas, and calling on all NATO nations to recommit to their responsibilities as members of a democratic alliance. So just to finish that thought, You can see in that policy statement, there's an expansion beyond traditional geostrategic military concerns. They specifically call out, quote, weaponized corruption and cyber theft. And that's beyond the traditional NATO mission of keep the Russians out, the Americans in and the Germans down in Europe. So the campaign promises are really interesting as it concerns Russia, because the U.S. sanctions policy on Russia has been a fairly wide-ranging approach. There were the sectoral sanctions on Crimea in 2014. There was the oligarch list that eventually led to some SDNs, some sanctions designations of some really significant figures in Russia. We've had the CATSA sanctions, the secondary sanctions that were imposed legislatively by Congress. And we've also had the Magnitsky Act sanctions related to human rights and corruption. And we've also had the Chemical Biological Weapons Act sanctions, the CBW sanctions. So we've already had this wide ranging set of sanctions that have been applied at various times against Russia, including back to the Obama administration. So with that restart or that new approach to Russia, do we think that means that the U.S.'s approach to sanctions on Russia is going to be the same, more or less. It sounds like in some respects, the U.S. might get closer to Russia, but closer in some ways just to apply more pressure. I think it's fair to say that like any college term paper, we can cover all our bases by saying there will be both continuity and change. I think the key aspect of continuity here is going to be exactly as you mentioned. Many of the initial Russia sanctions policies emerged from the Obama administration and indeed Biden and his incoming foreign policy team, including Secretary of State nominee Antony Blinken, were key architects of the 2014-era Russia sanctions regimes, including the sectoral sanctions that were implemented in response to Russia's annexation of Ukraine. Biden himself 
handled the Ukraine matter. He went to Kiev multiple times. He was an advocate for some of the anti-corruption reforms in Ukraine. So many commentators expect anti-corruption and the Crimea issue to play significant roles in the Biden administration's approach to Russia and to the Ukraine issue. And as we know, those sanctions were implemented in response to a major geopolitical event, which has not rolled back. Russia still claims authority over Crimea, and we don't see any indication, certainly, from the Biden administration. And frankly, there was not real serious policy efforts by the Trump administration to reverse the sectoral sanctions that were implemented on Russia in response to the Crimea annexation. Now, there were practical, reasonable efforts taken to accommodate the market actors who needed to do business with entities that had been affected by those sectoral sanctions, but no real effort in the Trump administration and none foreseeable to remove those, at least as far as that geopolitical moment continues. That's a great point about the geopolitical moment and the rolling back of sanctions potentially, or perhaps the increase of sanctions. It's safe to say that Joe Biden himself and his administration are not doves as it concerns the issue of Russia, and particularly as it concerns sanctions, which initiated under the Obama administration, and that Biden himself was quite involved in, and his Secretary of State nominee, as you mentioned, was also quite involved in. But some things have changed in the last four years, and U.S. policy could be viewed as having actually become more hawkish in the last four years, even under President Trump. And a lot of that pressure has come from Congress trying to cement or trying to fix the sanctions in place and to limit the executive's authority to roll those back or to put conditions on the rollback of sanctions. Not that the Biden administration-elect sounds like they are eager to lift those sanctions, but let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Congress. We've seen a huge amount of pressure on Russian energy projects, energy pipelines in Europe. Where do we see Congress going under a Biden administration? With Trump out of the White House, does Congress take a softer position on Russia? So I think that that's a great point. And as you mentioned, a lot of that support for energy export related sanctions, for example, on the Nord Stream 2 or Turk Stream projects, has been quite bipartisan. And as a matter of fact, if you really want to talk in the short term right now, the National Defense Authorization Act includes some additional language that would impose further restrictions on entities doing business with Nord Stream 2 and Turk Stream. For example, it would extend the sanctions beyond just the vessels that are laying the pipes for those two pipelines and actually expand to include institutions providing insurance to the vessels. On energy exports especially, I think that that's a very interesting space to watch. As we know, the Trump administration supported increasing U.S. liquefied natural gas exports to Europe as a strategic alternative towards European reliance on gas exported from Russia. In fact, the Biden administration also supports exports of U.S. liquefied natural gas, although they have put that forward as one of the elements of their green climate policy, rather than placing it in explicitly geostrategic terms. We saw in 2019 that Europe took 35 to 40% of U.S. liquefied natural gas exports. And we see that there is beginning to be some climate-related pushback on that trend. In recent months, a major deal involving a French energy company to purchase LNG from the United States fell through after a personal intervention by U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. 
So we'll see whether the Biden administration's climate-based rationale for supporting those exports holds up or if the geopolitical rationale becomes more evident or returns to prominence. So the situation in Crimea is still unresolved. The energy situation is also still unresolved. What about global Magnitsky sanctions? What about things like the U.S. CBW Act sanctions? Obviously, there were some high-profile poisonings, things like election interference. Where do we see a Biden administration going on those points? Because it sounds like if the Biden administration wanted to ratchet pressure up on Russia rather than down, that those might be the avenues for doing that. Yeah, I agree completely. As a matter of fact, Joe Biden himself, during the Trump administration, served on an international commission to preserve election integrity in Western countries against Russian intervention. So that's an issue that he personally has an interest in and is hawkish about. And we've seen in recent OFAC sanctioning decisions involving Russian SDNs, Yevgeny Prigozhin and his affiliates and companies and associates have been the subject of a disproportionate number of Russia-based designation events over the last year or two. And going back to the Blinken nomination, Blinken himself also advocated for stronger sanctions against Moscow related to the 2016 election interference. So I agree that those kind of very targeted issues involving specific individuals or conduct that is on a bipartisan basis and almost universally agreed to be bad, that there's room to grow in the Biden administration. Although it's important to note that that's less likely to affect major financial institutions or companies hoping to do business with Russia. In terms of the potential impact, though, one of the ways that the Obama administration and championed in a lot of ways by Joe Biden were effective on sanctions was by bringing allies along, the sort of multilateral approach to sanctions. And we saw this in Russia with the sectoral sanctions when they first came out in 2014, a huge wave of multilateral support for almost lockstep sanctions at first against Russia because of the situation in Crimea was really a bit of a moment in the sun for multilateral sanctions. We've also seen, even under the Trump administration, that other countries have gotten on board with global Magnitsky-style sanctions programs. Now, the designations have not been as lockstep, and perhaps they're not being as closely coordinated as the sanctions originally against Russia were coordinated in 2014. But to what extent do we think that a Biden administration could actually increase sanctions on Russia, not necessarily by actually taking more aggressive actions, but simply by building a more powerful multilateral coalition of countries to apply pressure equally on Russia? So I think that goes right back to the issue of the three Ds that I mentioned, defense, alliances, diplomacy, and disarmament that were the standard pillars of Russia policy of the Biden campaign. I think that Biden will have more credibility than the Trump administration had to engage with European partners. I think he will hail, if he hasn't done so already, the EU's implementation of a Magnitsky-style sanctions program. And I think that there's probably room to expect more of the same in the future. It seemed like under the Trump administration, a lot of Congress's actions on Russia sanctions were to some extent, a reaction to Trump himself and to the Trump administration's perceived approach on Russia. And a lot of Congress's role was basically to rein in potential relaxation of sanctions. Considering that Biden is viewed quite opposite to Trump on Russia policy, 
Does this mean that things are just going to get worse on U.S.-Russia sanctions, or does that credibility on Russia perhaps make it easier for a Biden administration to try to come to a negotiated resolution? My impression is certainly that you are right, that Congress, because of some of the media stories surrounding Trump's connections or alleged connections to Russia and to the Russian government, Congress reacted with skepticism to certain moves that the Trump administration made. I think that those concerns are absent with President-elect Biden. And so I think that to the extent that any conciliatory move that the Trump administration would have made towards Russia was heavily scrutinized by Congress because of these political thunderheads around him. Biden lacks those political thunderheads. Biden speaks with credibility, and he is a voice from the moment when these sanctions programs were initially implemented in 2014 and have since developed. I don't think that he will be viewed with the same scrutiny or that actions that he may take to engage with high-profile entities that may be affected by the Russia sanctions will be viewed with the same kind of natural baked-in skepticism as the Trump administration's moves were. So taking it down a level, down from the White House, down from even the political appointee level within the State Department and Treasury, a lot of the progress in practice on U.S. sanctions against Russia that occurred were via things like the Lord Barker Plan, these negotiated resolutions, not of the entire conflict, but of particular situations in order for companies to move forward with particular transactions. Since the people on the ground in the U.S. government, the career bureaucrats and diplomats who manage U.S. sanctions policy on Russia are not really going to change or they're not expected to change come January 20th, I think we still should expect to see a lot of that. I don't think that a Biden administration, regardless of the direction of policy, unless things really go south, is going to take a hard stance against these one-off negotiated solutions. I don't think we're expecting that. I don't think we're seeing that. And in fact, the political cover that a Biden administration would have being viewed as more credible might be in a position to actually do a bit more of that than even the Trump administration did. In 2014, for example, when the sectoral sanctions first came out, there was a point in time when I think there was a real concern that read broadly, the sectoral sanctions could almost become the equivalent of being an SDN. And then through a series of interpretations that effectively relaxed those sanctions or the impact of them, we ended up with a bit of a stasis on sectoral sanctions where Russian parties who are targeted have found compliance workarounds. Sure, there's more regulatory cost. People can't do business in the same way now that they could do in 2013, but they've reached a position where they can live with it. So I don't think we're expecting that to change. But what else are we seeing on this? What else should we expect under a Biden administration as it concerns U.S. sanctions policy on Russia? I'm very glad that you moved us from the hallways of Congress to the hallways of 713th Street Northwest, where our offices are in Washington, D.C., where I would be if not for the virus. Those staff level specific licensing or negotiated resolution issues with OFAC are exactly what you said. There's a much more important trend at that level that is not in the halls of Congress or in the White House, which is over time, as these sanctions mature and grow and increase, staff and practitioners have gotten much more sophisticated about the avenues of relief or the mechanisms 
to achieve favorable results under these various regimes. And I think that that trend of increasing sophistication, increasing professionalism on both sides of the bar, that has increased from Obama through Trump and into the Biden administration. And that competency and sophistication is not directly impacted by policy or political preferences. Now, we do expect increasing specialized sanctions, including designations decisions based on election interference, an issue that we know is close to President-elect Biden's heart and past. He has a long history with Russia. He's sophisticated on these issues. And we expect more executive branch activity regarding corruption, regarding election interference, and likely executive and legislative branch activity on energy exports and other geostrategically significant projects, which may grow beyond energy exports, but certainly in the short to medium term, focusing on pipelines and things like that. Mark, thank you for joining us to discuss this really important topic of U.S. sanction policy on Russia and for engaging in a bit of crystal ball gazing with us on this topic. And thank you to everyone for listening to this, our Fresh Fields Sanctions and International Trade podcast.